Good morning and welcome to Sharper Iron. Spend the next hour with us studying the living and active Word of God, His two-edged sword of law and gospel, recorded for you in Holy Scripture, all about Jesus Christ, crucified, risen, and ascended for you. Thanks for tuning in this morning here on Worldwide KFUO. Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. I'm your host, Pastor Timothy Apple of Grace Lutheran Church in Smithville, Texas. Sharper Iron is underwritten by the Lutheran Church Extension Fund, where your investments help support the work of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Visit lcef.org for more information. On this Thursday, April 16th, we're studying Romans chapter 1, verses 8 through 17. St. Paul gives thanks for the church at Rome, and he states the theme for his letter outright. The gospel is the power of God for the salvation of those who believe, because the gospel reveals God's righteousness to save sinners. To help us sharpen our faith in Christ as we study God's word today, we have with us a regular guest, Pastor Paul Pater. Pastor Pater serves at Shepherd of the Ridge Lutheran Church in North Ridgeville, Ohio, and also Hope Lutheran Church in Sheffield Village, Ohio. Pastor Pater, welcome back to Sharper Iron. Hey, glad to be back. Hallelujah, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed, hallelujah. As we get started this morning, Pastor Pater, we're, we're at the very beginning of the book of Romans here. We've just covered seven verses so far. There's not a ton of context to bring out in terms of the content of the letter, although there is plenty packed into those first seven verses. But, but as we get started, give us some of that overarching context in terms of the book of Romans. Paul's laying out just the, the introductory things, and yet he's already starting to, to dig into the doctrine. Help us set the stage for our text today. Yeah, sure. Well, uh, the very first verse of Romans gives us, I mean, a great plethora of information. It talks about how Paul is a servant of, of Christ Jesus. The original Greek there has the idea of um, even more than a servant, more like a, a bond servant or a, a slave, someone who uh, is underneath a master and has to do the master's will. And we're going to see that right away what that master's will is, is to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. So um, we're going to get into the text today where Paul talks about how uh, the gospel is the power of God for salvation for all who believe. Um, so that's a, a really great uh text to help us focus really on what the whole book of, of Romans is about. It's that gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the power of God for salvation for all people. So as we look through our, our text here, we're going to see that Paul says at, at certain points that he wants to come and, and visit the Romans and be with them, but he's had other work that's kind of kept him back from from doing that thus far because he's going out and proclaiming the gospel in different places but he he really wants to uh help edify the the faith that the roman folks have already um and, and kind of continue to help them grow in the gospel so that's kind of where we're we're at and what we're kind of looking forward to in today's text we continue to use this word gospel and and i've said previously already in this series, we're going to get a lot of those basic words when it comes to Christianity, words that sometimes we just throw out there and assume people know what we're talking about. 
And the word gospel is, is one of those. And we're going to have plenty of time, especially later as we get into verses 16 and 17, to dig into that word, unpack it. But just in brief now, Pastor Fader, what is the gospel? Yeah, the, the gospel is the good news of what, what Christ has done for us. Um, a very helpful definition that I've found is in the, the new catechism that came out at the end of 2017 as they talk about what the gospel is. Uh, it says the gospel teaches what God has done and still does in Jesus for our salvation. So the gospel isn't just what God did long ago. Uh, in sending his son to suffer and die and rise again, but it's how that suffering, dying, and rising applies to even Christians today, you know, 2,000 years removed from the events of Good Friday and Easter that we just celebrated this past week. So um, the the gospel, um, whenever I'm I'm teaching confirmation class, I always use kind of the the acronym of the, the SOS, that the gospel shows our Savior. And thankfully, the good news is that that Savior is not us. Um, that it's not a matter of us following God's commandments in order to achieve salvation, but rather it's our Savior is Jesus Christ and what he has done in his dying and in his rising again. Um, so the gospel is always what God has done for us in Christ Jesus. One of the key things that I think you're highlighting there is that the gospel has this very specific content. It's not just generic good news, but it it centers in what our Lord Jesus Christ has done. And Paul has already laid that out for us in those first seven verses of the book of Romans. Those are sometimes verses that we'd be tempted just to, to give passing glance to. But if we did that in the book of Romans, we would miss exactly what Paul already starts to define the gospel for us in those first seven verses. He talks about the gospel of God, and he centers it in the promises God made in the Old Testament about Jesus, who is true man and true God, risen from the dead for us. And that that very specific content, that this isn't just some sort of general good news that makes me feel good, but rather it is what God has done for me in Christ Jesus, that, that's very specific, and that's the gospel that's going to be the power of salvation for all who believe. Any, any further introductory comments, Pastor Pater, on this text or the book of Romans in general before we jump right in? Well, yeah, as you were, as you were talking about that, I was thinking about, you know, you, you talked before about terms that we use, so often use and just kind of throw out there and assume most people, you know, know what they mean. Another one of those terms that we're going to get to at the near the end of uh, our portion for today is the word faith, because uh, so often um, that that word faith can get thrown out there of well you just need to have more faith, um, but it's a very specific faith as you were talking about. It's not a matter of just believing in something hard enough that you can kind of pull yourself up by your bootstraps. No, it is faith in the the trusting of what God has done for our sake. Faith is receiving this gift of salvation that God offers to us. And that's a huge part of, of Romans, as, as Paul goes through here. Um, he's going to talk about law and gospel, how the law, while it is still God's word, all the law can do is show us our sin. 
and, and show us our need for a savior, but that law can never be the savior that we need it to be. The, the savior that we need can only, only, only be found in the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I think that's uh, something important as we kind of look through the, the rest of the text here today to, to focus on that gospel and what it really means that this is God's salvation for us in Christ. And you can't add anything to that or subtract anything away from it because then you're, you're taking away from what the, the gospel is meant to be. The the, centra- the centrality of Christ in all of this is is striking. We can never lose sight of that. So let's go ahead and, and read the text. We're in Romans chapter 1 this morning, beginning at verse 8. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I mention you always in my prayers, asking that somehow by God's will I may now at last succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you, that is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. I want you to know, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented, in order that I may reap some harvest among you as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. So I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. There is our text for this morning, Romans chapter 1, verses 8 through 17. Pastor Peter, as we look into this text, we see some familiar forms from Paul here, things that we see in his other epistles. And and what stands out right away is this thanksgiving. And he even says, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you. We see him do this throughout his epistles. He gives thanks for those Christians to whom he writes. Take us into this thanksgiving that Paul has for the Romans here in verses 8 and following. Yeah, so uh, as you just read, he says that he thanks God through Christ for them uh, because uh, it says here, because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. Now, it's not that the Romans were kind of good, great, grand, and wonderful in and of themselves, and that um, Paul's super excited that their good works are getting out to the world. But no, really what Paul's rejoicing over is that the Roman people have received the gospel of Jesus Christ, and that the Romans themselves are the ones that are sending out the the gospel into all the world around them. You've probably heard the old saying, uh, all roads lead to Rome. But in fact, all roads also lead out of Rome, out of Rome, out into the world. You know, Rome was this kind of center of of trade and things like that. So people from all over the, the known world would come to Rome but then they would disperse back out. And as they're going back out, they're taking the, the gospel of Jesus Christ with them out into the world. And, and Paul here thanks God that this gospel of Jesus Christ is just spreading throughout the world, that more and more people might know who Jesus is, might know the love that God has for them and that 
this gospel could continue to spread uh, throughout the world. Um, in verse 9 here, um, Paul says that, that God is his witness, uh, that he serves uh, with his spirit, that Paul serves with his spirit in the gospel of God's Son, um, that this is, this is Paul's whole reason for existence is to share this gospel of Jesus Christ, that he doesn't serve half-heartedly, but rather he serves with his whole spirit to make sure that people know who Jesus is and know what he has done for them. So Paul says he he always uh, mentions the, the Romans in his prayers, uh, and he prays that he would soon be able to come to Rome and to to share in their faith with each other, which I think is um, uh, very telling of, of Paul and kind of how he wants to share this gospel with the world around him. I want to I want to go back to the the matter of yeah. Rome and the the phrase that you said all there's there's a lot here to talk about Pastor Pater and and so this matter of all roads lead to Rome and and then that that they were being it was their faith that was being proclaimed throughout the world now when you think about Rome Rome would have been pretty much the the center of the known world at this time this is this is the capital of the empire this is where any everybody who's anybody that's where they want to go is to rome because of, of the variety of reasons right that's where the emperor is that's where this is the center of everything and yet what's being proclaimed throughout the world from these romans is not all the matter of politics and economics and philosophy and all of those other things but it's their faith that's being proclaimed this truth about jesus christ crucified and risen, which is just an amazing thing to think about where this where this comes from. It, probably, and again, I think we, I don't know if we talked about this yesterday, but the, the Roman church is already established before Paul ever gets there, as, as evidenced by this letter. This is not one of the churches that, that he was the initial missionary to this place. Probably the gospel got to Rome from the day of Pentecost. In Acts chapter 2, we know that there were visitors from Rome there who heard Peter's sermon, and they took the gospel with them. Now, that's that's a very striking contrast when you think about who Peter is. <laughs> Peter is a lowly fisherman from Judea proclaiming a, Naz a man from Nazareth risen from the dead. That news in that little corner of the world now all of a sudden has transformed people in Rome itself. So that what is being proclaimed about these Romans is not all of the worldly things that Rome was known for, but it's their faith. In Jesus Christ, that that's just an astounding thing, in my opinion. Yeah, well, you know, especially when we, I'm kind of jumping ahead, but near the end of the text, talk about not being ashamed of, of the gospel. And if you look at the gospel from the outside, like as a, as an unbeliever, the gospel looks totally, just utterly insane. Um, in that, uh, we believe that God sent his son down in human flesh to be our savior, but he didn't send a, a mighty warrior. He didn't send a conquering king. He sent a baby, uh, a baby who was going to, you know, live life. And then as, as a man, that this savior, his ultimate act of salvation was he was going to 
suffer uh, the kind of death that was reserved for the worst of criminals, crucifixion, that that uh, man was going to die, stay in a tomb for a couple of days, and then rise from the dead on Easter morning. Um, if you're looking at this from an outside perspective, if you're looking at this from uh, the perspective of an unbeliever, we Christians sound absolutely crazy um, that we believe in a virgin-born Savior who suffered and died and rose again. And yet this is what, what Paul says is the power of God for our salvation, that this is the gospel of Jesus Christ, that this is coming into the world, and then, uh, it, and it's being shared throughout the world. You know, as you were mentioning, the, the Romans probably got uh, the gospel first from the, the sermon that Peter preached at, at Pentecost, and um, was, this sermon was, was preached by Peter, and Peter's just a, a fisherman. Like, he's not a big, important guy. He's, he's one of Jesus' disciples, yes, but he's originally a fisherman. Like, he's not a political leader. He's not a ruler. He's just an average, ordinary guy sharing his love of God with the world. And how we as Christians, we get that, that, that same opportunity to share God's love for us and the gospel with the, the world around us. We see the, the Romans doing that, and Paul is just absolutely ecstatic at the faith that these guys are sharing with one another and sharing really with the world around them. Yeah, this this does start to touch on those themes that are in that, that major thesis statement that Paul has in verses 16 and 17. I'm reminded of the, I believe it's in Philippi, in Acts chapter 17, where, where people are talking, and I might be wrong on that, but, but in the book of Acts, there are people talking about what's going on with these Christians who are preaching, and they, they refer to this as something that's turned the world upside down. And, and that's, that's what's happening here in, in this letter, that the Romans are not known for all of these other things that they would be, but for their faith. In, in the crucified one, Jesus Christ. I, I'm also reminded of, of 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And I, I did a little bit of looking prior to our discussion this morning, Pastor Pater. I'm not, I'm not sure which, which comes first in terms of Paul's writing, either is it Romans or 1 Corinthians. I think most, most people that I've, I've read would put the writing of Romans from the city of Corinth. So in, in my mind, it makes sense then that 1 Corinthians would have been written not long after that. But, but in either case, I think right. there's, there's related themes there in Romans chapter 1 and in 1 Corinthians 1, and it's that matter of, of being ashamed of the gospel, as you've already brought out. And in, in 1 Corinthians 1, Paul talks about this, that the cross, the, the gospel, is foolishness and weakness to the world, but it's actually God's wisdom and his, his power to save. And it's just to see how all this comes together within the book of Romans is just, I mean, for me, it, it's blowing my mind a little bit here. So, <laughs> and I want to, I want to keep, I want to keep moving though, because there is, there, there's so much yeah. to talk about here. This, this matter then of, of Paul, he's giving thanks because their faith is being proclaimed. And he talks about his, his prayers for the Roman church. And again, this is, this is a church he's not visited before. He doesn't know people within this church. That becomes very evident in chapter 16, where he names a bunch of individuals and greets them. But he's never, he's never visited this church before. And still, he's remembering them regularly in his prayers, and he longs to be with them. 
and I don't remember, did you, did you and I talk about this when we were studying first Thessalonians? Did, did we get to talk about this matter of how Paul longs to be with these churches? Cause it, I, I don't know yeah. if it was you or not, but I talked about it and it just, yeah, it's me. amazing. Was it, was it you? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so we've had this discussion before and it's, it's worth revisiting because we see it here again in the book of Romans that every time Paul is apart from these churches, and that's true of the ones that he was the, the initial missionary. And now here in one that was already founded, he longs to see them. And, and I think that's particularly important for us today in our current situation under this pandemic. Right. Yeah. Um, I was I was thinking about that today um, because here in Ohio, we've had very, very strict stay at home orders that have been in effect for quite a while now. I think since like March 22nd, like we haven't had worship in our church building for uh, a month now. Um, and it's it's been the strangest month, uh, I think, of of my life. And you have that longing that you want to be together with people, um, but there's this, there's this pandemic going on right now, and we have to be kind of separated. And um, to kind of bring it back to our, our text here, Paul longs to be with these people that he's not even really met yet. Um, like he has, has some greetings for some of them at the end, but he, he doesn't really uh, you know, know the vast majority of the congregation, and yet he's writing them. Uh, I mean, his longest letter here in, in Romans, I mean, it's uh, 16 chapters long. It's about 7,000 words, a little over 7,000 words that Paul writes to these folks. Uh, and yet he still longs to, to be with them, that God's people were meant to be together. We're meant to gather together around his word uh, and around his sacraments. And, and Paul here really longs to be with those folks in Rome, um, which is extremely poignant when you consider what's going to happen to him once he actually does get to Rome. Um, he's not going to leave Rome alive. Uh, you know, the Roman emperor Nero is going to take his head by the end of it. Uh, and yet he still longs to, to be with the Romans, to be, uh, to strengthen their faith and to encourage one another in the faith. But uh, the, the text here says uh, in, in verse 10, as, as uh, he says, uh, he's praying that by God's will, uh, I may now at last succeed in coming to you. So Paul knows that really it's God is the one who's ultimately in control of the ministry work that he does, that he is um, been kept away from Rome for a little while because he's got other work to do. Um, and especially when you think about his um, Paul's, you know, forthcoming death in a couple of years after this text, um, that it is uh, once Paul goes to Rome, he's, he's not leaving. So, God is, is fulfilling Paul's missionary work out into the world before he finally goes into Rome and before Paul gives his life for his faith as well. It, it is, it, it's, it's encouraging, I think, is the word I want to use, to see that, that juxtaposition that you get there in verse 10 from Paul, that he's got this great desire 
to go to Rome and to be strengthened by their faith and to strengthen their faith as well. And yet, even with that great desire, which is which is a good desire and a God-pleasing desire, I think we would say, but he's he's willing even then to submit that to the will of God, that he doesn't allow his own personal zeal to overtake what God's desire is in all of this, that, that he's willing to submit it all to the will of God, I think is, a, is an important example for us that, that we would see here that, that constant prayer of ours, thy will be done. And we see it even with Paul here in his good and godly desire to go to Rome. He says, yet God's will be done. Yeah, that's part of that being that that servant, that that slave that Paul talks about at the beginning of the text. There might be things that Paul wants to do, but he is bound by duty to God first, that uh, his master is going to tell him where to go and what to do. And Paul, like a good servant, is going to go and do what God has called him to do, to share that gospel with the folks around him. Uh, and to encourage them in the faith, but also to receive encouragement from them. That's, uh, you know, the, this next verse here in verse 11, where Paul talks about he wants to impart some spiritual gift to strengthen you. But then he says in verse 12, that is that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. Um, so it, it's really interesting in this text to see that Paul's uh, encouragement for people in the gospel is not one-sided. It's not the pastor talking to the people and, and encouraging them only, but rather it's Paul being encouraged by the Romans themselves, uh, that this, this ministry of the gospel, it's not a one-way street of the pastor says the word and encourages the people and that's it. No, it's a two-way street. The people also encourage their pastor in his work, and they and they work to build up one another as that body of believers. Um, so kind of an interesting thing I've seen through this whole uh, pandemic and, and virus going around right now is the number of folks who have called me just to check on me and my family and see how we're doing. Because like I said, in Ohio, we've got these uh, stay-at-home orders that are, are very strict, um, but also my wife has, has lupus, so she's uh, at more of a, a risk because she has an autoimmune disease uh, to, to get this virus. Um, and the number of people that have called and encouraged me uh, and you know, prayed with me and prayed for me has been, been really, really incredible. And I think Paul's kind of seeking out that same encouragement from his people, that it's not a one-way street, but rather it's a let us build up one another in our faith. Let us encourage one another and and strengthen one another with this, this awesome word of promise that our God has for us in the gospel. The, the mutual consolation of the brethren from the gospel is such a key part of our life together as the church. I want to pick that theme up more on the other side of the break. You're listening to Sharper Iron here on Worldwide KFUO. We are going to be right back. Please stick around.
On this Thursday, April 16th, 2020, KFUO Radio thanks our day sponsor, Helen Nowak of Columbia, Missouri, as she gives thanks to the Lord for the blessing of her parents. Helen made a gift to KFUO Radio in loving memory of her father and mother, Edwin and Thelma Betson, on their wedding anniversary, which was yesterday on April 15th. Thank you, Helen Nowak, for helping us share the gospel and for being today's KFUO Day Sponsor. In this season of life, when everything seems to be constantly changing, one thing remains the same, the promises of God given to us in the Word of Christ. I'm Sarah Golseth, a digital media specialist for KFUO Radio, here at home in my spare room, to remind you all the ways you can hear the Word of Christ on KFUO Radio from wherever you call home. Our daily broadcast at KFUO.org includes talk programs, sacred music, daily chapel services, weekend worship services, and Bible studies. Our on-demand library includes many of our broadcast programs, in addition to podcasts from LC us partners. You and your family can stream KFUO Radio at KFUO.org or on the TuneIn app. You can even ask your smart speaker to play KFUO Radio. You can also pull up your favorite podcast app and search for KFUO Radio to find all of our available podcasts. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for the latest updates as well as daily Bible verses and hymns. We are KFUO Radio, Christ for you, anytime, anywhere at KFUO.org. Welcome back to Sharper Iron on this Thursday, April 16th. We're looking at Romans chapter 1, verses 8 through 17 with Pastor Paul Pater, the pastor at Shepherd of the Ridge Lutheran Church in North Ridgeville, Ohio, and Hope Lutheran Church in Sheffield Village, Ohio. Pastor Pater, prior to the break, we were looking particularly at, at verses 11 through 14 or so, maybe maybe not quite that far. It kind of bleeds throughout here. And, and this thought of the mutual consolation of the brethren, that's, that's the term that Martin Luther uses for, for what Paul's talking about here, that, that together as Christians, pastor and people, within the gospel, we build each other up. And, and over the break, I was thinking, you know, again, of those connections to, to 1 Corinthians, written about this same time. You got 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Paul, Paul draws this long image of the body of Christ, that the church is the body of the Christ, and the various members of the body are working together all under the head, Jesus Christ. And, and he doesn't draw that image out right here in chapter 1, but I, I think it's a similar idea going on here, that, that Paul knows that in going to Rome, He's going to impart to them, he says, some spiritual gift, and, and also his own faith is going to be encouraged as well, that, that he would be mute. There's this mutual encouragement, both yours and mine. I, and I think, you know, as, as you've brought out already, particularly during this time of pandemic, that's such an important thing for us as the church to be to be active in doing this. You mentioned how, how your your folks there in Ohio are looking out for you and I've experienced the same thing from from my folks here in Smithfield that and what what a blessing that has been to me because it it's it's weird being in the church building all by yourself talking to people on the other side of of a camera. That's that's really weird. And and to know that those those members of the body of Christ are there listening, they're praying for you as, as a pastor, they're supporting this work of the church. That's a tremendous, tremendous blessing. And, and, and Paul here, you know, he, he's not doing things online. This is at a distance by, by pen and paper. But, 
Wow, what 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 an incredible privilege it is to be a part of this this body of Christ. Let's I mean let's let's talk about this a little more, Pastor Peter. Yeah, yeah. Well, and the important thing to to think about our our faith is our faith is not an individualized thing. Which in our American context, we're very individualistic, right? We want to do everything by ourselves. Um, but faith is not an individualistic thing. It's something that is shared by that body of Christ. Now, the weird part about the body of Christ right now is that the hands and the feet are locked in their homes uh, and kind of separated far apart from each other, but we're still part of the body of Christ together. Um, so you mentioned doing uh, video chats and things with your, your members and, and services and things like that. One of the very first devotions I did for our folks when this whole thing started was uh, a devotion about uh, Christ church never closes. Even though the building is closed, you know, we are still the church. We are still the body of Christ together. And that we're called to strengthen one another in our faith. Because every time when we try to go it alone, uh, we're either going to find ourselves overwhelmed or confused or frustrated, or worst of all, we're going to end up being self-righteous, right? Like, I just need me and Jesus, and that's it. Um, but really, the faith that we've been given is uh, a community thing in that we are called to be believers together. And especially as, as Paul is talking to these folks in Rome here, these are folks that he has not met, as we've talked about before, but they're still part of that same body of Christ together. They're still part of that community of faith and Paul is is really seeking to not only encourage them, but to be encouraged by them, that that they might share their faith with one another as that community of believers. Right. This mutual encouragement that happens between the pastor and his people is is just such a wonderful thing. And I I think, and I'm pretty sure we did talk about this when we were talking about first Thessalonians that notice how this physical separation, while there is still the joy in knowing that we are united within the body of Christ, even though, as you said, the hands and the feet are locked in different houses at this point, that, that never, we don't, we're not content with that, that, that physical separation always drives us all the more to desire the physical togetherness, to be together as Paul desires here. And so for us in our situation today, sure, it's, it's a wonderful blessing. And we shouldn't, we shouldn't underestimate this blessing that we are able to share the word with each other in a variety of means. But we dare not let ourselves become content with that and, and say, well, okay, we, we can do this. And so we're going to give up meeting together. Far be it from us to do that. Let us continue this great desire that Paul has, and, and I'm sure is mutual on behalf of the Roman church, to be together with one another physically as the body of Christ, that we may be mutually encouraged, not just when we're apart, but especially when we're together. Yeah, one of the things that uh, I kind of keep hearing from folks, because uh, I've, I've been doing uh, YouTube videos for our, our services and things like that. One of the things that I, I keep hearing from folks are, Pastor, those videos are good, but we really, really, really want to be back together. <laughs> like, I know, I know you do. I want to be back together, too. It was very kind of 
surreal, um, you know, last, uh, this past Sunday being Easter. It was very surreal um, sitting in my house, uh, watching the, the worship service I, I had put together with my family and, and not being in God's house with God's people. I know the, the sermon that I did for that day, I, I talked about how, you know, we, we, you and I, we shared the Easter greeting at the beginning here. And it's always one of my favorite parts of, of the season is to share that greeting and to hear the congregation respond back with, you know, he is risen indeed, alleluia. And uh, I, I said it at, at church when I was recording the other day, and it was there was just silence. You know, it was, it was a very, very strange, bizarre thing. Uh, and I, I don't think that that longing to be together really, really, like, hit me hard until I, until I shared that Easter greeting, and, and it was just kind of silent on the other end. Um, so it's it's a very kind of strange, bizarre time for the church, and um, a very unique opportunity that we have to to share the gospel right now. Because I know before this whole pandemic started, we we didn't have a YouTube channel or anything like that. So I learned how to do all that stuff, and um, have been sharing kind of devotions that way with my folks. And it's been a, a unique time to encourage one another in our faith, to be sure. For sure. And I, I think it I mean, I think it helps us read texts like this, that, that we understand a bit what what that separation that Paul had from the Roman church, why it was such a big deal for him. Now that we're experiencing it, we've, we've kind of taken that for granted. And, and now to I mean, to read these words and say, yeah, I, I get that, Paul, I, I get that Roman Christians, why this separation matters and why you've got this longing to be together and, and yet still always underneath the will of God. As you said before the break, that, that Paul is a servant. He's bound to his Lord Jesus Christ, and he will do his will, even, even when there's something that he desires, and, and yet it's not not there yet. And, and Paul makes mention of that. You know, something's been preventing him from coming to Rome. What that was exactly, we're, we're not sure. There's, there's examples in the book of Acts where, where the Holy Spirit prevents Paul from going a particular way. That's what ends up sending him to Greece and Macedonia, which is, again, where he's writing this letter from. So, so something's prevented Paul. And Paul, Paul is willing, again, to, to follow the will of God here. He's not going to push himself on to uh, over and above the will of God. But in all of it, he says, and, and moving us now into to verse, uh, the end of verse 13, 14, Paul, Paul, he starts being a bit more specific as to why he wants to go. He, he talks about reaping a harvest among you as among the rest and among the rest of the Gentiles. So he wants to, to talk to the Roman Christians and to to preach to those outside the church. And he says he's under obligation, both to Greeks, to barbarians, wise and foolish. He's eager to preach the gospel. Take us into that, that last section there before we get to the thesis statement in verses 16 and 17. Sure, yeah. Paul was uh, primarily called to evangelize to the, the Gentiles, but he always started first with his people, the, the Jews, until he faced you know opposition in the synagogue or something like that, where the, the work wasn't bearing fruit anymore than he would switch over and go to the Gentiles. But if he's talking about going to the Greeks and the barbarians here, the Greeks were considered very, very wise. They were the philosophers. They were the guys that, you know, got to sit around and pontificate all day long about life. 
Um, barbarians were foolish, contemptible brutes. Um, and Paul is saying, look, the gospel of Jesus Christ, I'm under an obligation to both the Greeks and to the barbarians, to the wise and the foolish. In other words, the gospel is for everyone, regardless of your background. It doesn't matter if you're smart or foolish. It doesn't matter if you're young or old. It doesn't matter if you're rich or poor. The gospel of Jesus Christ is something that you desperately need, and you desperately need to hear who Jesus is and what he has done for you. That's why Paul says in in verse 15 here, this is why I'm eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome, Um, that Paul has uh, this obligation to share the gospel, Um, but it's not an obligation that he faces with fear or trepidation. It's not an obligation that he faces with a, uh, gee, I guess I got to go do this. But really, it is a joyful obligation. Paul wants to share this gospel of of Jesus Christ with the people around him. This is a a joyful thing that God has called him to do. And and really, um, this is uh, uh, the joyful obligation of pastors as well in our own day and age. Um, I always, uh, every once in a while, I just kind of sit around and think of like, wow, I, I, my living, like my, my income comes from telling people that Jesus loves them. Like, this is the sweetest gig on earth. Like, I love it. I love being able to tell people about God and to tell them who Jesus is and what he's done for them. Uh, now, I'm definitely certainly under an obligation to do that. If I did not show up on Sunday morning to uh, Hope or to Shepherd of the Ridge, you best believe I would have phone calls like, hey, pastor, where are you? You're, you're supposed to be here and you're supposed to be preaching. Um, but the, this obligation that uh, you and I as, as pastors are honored to, to share this gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not something that's a, a ho-hum of, oh, gee, I guess I got to go do this. But rather, it's this joyful thing that we get to do. And really that as uh, just everyday Christians get to share in this joyful obligation of well, as well of, of sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with people to, to go and to uh, share who Jesus is and what he's done in his cross and in his empty tomb for us. And that kind of brings us to the the next section where Paul talks about the gospel and the power of God. I think it's the I think it's the prophet Jeremiah that talks about the word of God being a fire within him, and that if he would try to hold it in, it just it, it's not possible. And I think that's the sort of obligation as you, you've laid out that Paul's talking about here, and and really that that does exist inside every Christian that the joy of the gospel is just so strong that you you simply can't contain it. And I think that you, know, you you referenced the the Easter greeting. That's that's perfect evidence of that. There's there's just so much joy in saying. Alleluia, Christ is risen. And then the other person just says, he is risen indeed. Alleluia. I mean, it's just, that's, that's the sort of obligation that the word simply has to overflow this joy that's there in the gospel. And, and that gospel, as you said, this is the theme for Paul's letter. And so we come to, to familiar words to many of us in verses 16 and 17 here in chapter, chapter one, I'm just going to go ahead and read them again and, and let you 
talk about them, Pastor Pater. So Romans 1, 16 and 17, Paul says, this is the theme, the thesis for his letter. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. We got about 10 minutes here left on the morning, Pastor Peter, to really dig into those verses. Where do you want to start? Yeah, I mean, verse 16, what you just read of, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Um, when I got uh, assigned for this day and, and looking at this text, I, I, I was trying to figure out how did I get so fortunate and so blessed to get this text? Because this is just I mean, Paul at his, like, pinnacle of, of awesome gospelly goodness here. Uh, Paul saying he's not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God for salvation to everybody who believes. You know, as we were kind of mentioning before, the gospel looks really foolish to the world around us, um, especially from an outside perspective. Outsiders might ridicule our faith, might even persecute us for our faith. We know Paul was certainly persecuted numerous times for his, uh, but that doesn't stop us from sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, Paul's obligation to share the gospel, it didn't bring him shame. It brought him great joy. It, it brought him great joy to share this power of God for salvation. And that power of God for salvation is found on a blood-soaked cross and on a, in a dusty, empty tomb. Like, to me, that's the most awesome thing about our, our faith is that God shows what is so unusual and bizarre and strange and said, this is the means by which I'm going to save you. I'm going to use a bloody cross, and I'm going to use an empty tomb. Uh, that the salvation is for all people um, who believe in Jesus as the Savior. So we kind of mentioned this a little bit before, too. Having a faith isn't enough. You know, whether that be faith in um, some other God or even faith in yourself that you can do something. Having a faith is not enough to save you. The faith is the only thing that can save you. The faith that God gives you as a gift in baptism that brings us the good news of salvation that we have in Christ. And we see that that faith is actually even rooted in the Old Testament. You know, sometimes people get this false idea that, oh, the Old Testament is just a bunch of laws and rules and commandments, that there's no gospel in it whatsoever. Um, but we see here in this, this quote that, that Paul has here at the verse of, uh, end of verse 17, where he says, the righteous shall live by faith. That's actually a quote from uh, Habakkuk in the Old Testament, uh, chapter 2, verse 4. Uh, the righteous shall live by faith. And I know for, for years, whenever I read The Righteous Shall Live by Faith, uh, before I properly understood the text, I always read that as law, as in the righteous shall live by faith. In other words, if you want to be righteous, if you want to be holy, you need to do these commandments in order to have faith. 
But that reading was wrong, very, very wrong. Uh, the righteous shall live by faith is not law, it's gospel. You live because of the gift of faith that God has given to you. Um, our, our sins are not going to kill us eternally because Christ has conquered over our sin through his death and through his resurrection. Uh, we, we receive this gift of faith as, as, as a gift, as a, as a promise of what God has done for us, that our, our righteousness, our holiness isn't a matter of us doing a bunch of good stuff. It's a matter of being declared righteous because of Christ's life and his death and his resurrection for our sake. Mm. This verse 17, this is the verse that Luther references in what's called his tower experience, where the gospel dawns on him very similarly to what you were describing there, Pastor Peter. He really focuses in on this phrase, the righteousness of God, that, that prior to his this, you know, realizing what was going on here, he heard the righteousness of God as the righteousness that God required him to do all of the righteous acts that he thought he had to do. And he could never measure up to it until he, it, it dawned on him from this verse that no, the righteousness of God is not the righteous things that God required him to do, but rather the righteous gift, the gift that he bestowed upon him, God's righteousness, the righteous acts that he had done given to him. That's what saved, as, as you very well described in that quote from the book of, of Habakkuk, that, that this, we live because of faith, because God has made his promise and faith receives that promise. This, I mean, these two verses, we, we really could have spent the whole program on them, I suppose. Maybe I should have laid right. it out that way. <laughs> but, but, but these, I mean, these are so important. I mean, just a, a, a couple other thoughts before I kind of let you just finish the morning off for us. You know, you're talking about the foolishness of, of the cross and the empty tomb, even just the foolishness of the gospel. So, so this event, the salvation that Christ accomplished by dying and rising, how does it come to you and me? through the gospel which is which is news it's it's preaching that's that's crazy you know that that some fishermen from judea that's how that's how this this good news is going to get out there yeah yeah that's that's god's plan that's the way he's going to do it it's through the preaching of the gospel again these connections to, to first corinthians are all over the place we could we could really go into the book of habakkuk and look at at how that book lays out because you know paul just chooses this one verse from habakkuk two verse four and, and he, but the whole context of Habakkuk and, and some of the questions that he's dealing with and what it means to live by faith, to, to rest in the promises of God are so key. I mean, there's, there's just so much here in these verses. We've, we've got just under three minutes left on the morning, Pastor Peter. Help us, help us to anything more from these verses, wrap us up, bring it home for us today. Yeah, well... You know, and another part of verse 17 we haven't talked about yet is, uh, for it is the righteousness of God revealed from faith for faith. So the awesome thing about our faith is that faith produces what it requires. What it means by that, so what I mean by that is, to be saved, you need to believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior. But as Luther so clearly points out in the Catechism, we cannot believe by our own reason or strength. You know, believe in Jesus Christ our Lord or, or come to Him. So it's not by our own power or might or intellect that we believe, but God gives us this gift of faith that we might believe in him. Uh, the righteous 
shall live by faith. Why? Because Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Uh, but that we need not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's nothing to be, um, you know, hide our faith or anything like that. We don't need to do that because the gospel is the power of God for our salvation. It is the best news that we will ever have in this life because it is news of what the life to come will bring, that the righteous shall live by faith not only in this life, but also for all of eternity as we trust in those, those promises of what Christ has, has done for us in his, in his dying and in his rising again in all that he did for us on, on Good Friday all the way up through, through Easter and even to today as he continues to share his love and share his mercy with us. Pastor Paul Pater is the pastor at Shepherd of the Ridge Lutheran Church in North Ridgeville, Ohio, and Hope Lutheran Church in Sheffield Village, Ohio, helping us this morning with Romans chapter 1, verses 8 through 17. Pastor Pater, thanks for your time today. Thank you. Hey, before we go, can we can we do the Easter greeting with each other? Just, just I'll uh, let you start at this round time. It out. All right. Hallelujah. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Hallelujah. That that good news of Jesus Christ, that gospel of what he has done for us, that is the power of God to save us sinners. It is not our righteous deeds, not the good things that we do that will save us. Rather, it is the righteousness of God, his good works for you and me. That's what saves us. It's given to us right now in the preaching, the proclamation of his word that you are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. I'm your host here on Sharper Iron, Pastor Timothy Apple of Grace Lutheran Church in Smithville, Texas. Thanks for spending the morning with us. Talk to you again tomorrow.